This is Bracket Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights, here to break down the championships uh, of the Power Five conferences. We'll be skipping things like the MAC and Conference USA because, sorry, uh, I don't even think I need to explain that. We're just going to do the Power Five. We're going to do the ones that matter the most for the playoffs, and it's kind of crazy for the first time. Uh, maybe ever all of these matter maybe save for the Michigan Iowa game unless miracles happen but uh, it should be a weekend that every single game affects what's going to happen on Sunday at noon when the playoff rankings come out super excited to get into it and not just because our Georgia Bulldogs will be in the SEC championship here in Atlanta Georgia before we get into that preview I need to introduce my co-host my name is Madison I'm joined as always by our brother Pierce Pierce how are you Doing well. Um, yeah, it's it's put up a shut up time now. Um, four of the five games this week, you know, win and you're in. Um, I think the one game that we'll be talking about this, uh, the one championship game that is not that way is is the Big Twelve championship with Texas. I think they not only need to uh, to, to win with some style, but also uh, you know have to have some things work out uh, in their favor um, up in front of them. And and even then, you know, you never know if uh, you know. I think the uh, the playoff committee did something interesting last night with putting Ohio State above them. Um, I, I, I do think that means something. I, I think that if it were to play out and Texas doesn't have style points, you know they could get left out for Ohio State. So, but four games uh, of the five, I believe it is, that all have something. If you win, you're most likely in. Um, so excited to jump in. It's it's uh it's you know you got some duds on here. I will admit I was going through today and not doing just the power five. I, I in anticipation that you might have one or, or want to include one, um you know non power five. And I kind of like those games more than I like the power five from a betting standpoint. There were angles to be had. I thought it was pretty fascinating some of the matchups. But uh, excited to jump in and and uh, hear what y'all have to say about them too. Yeah, quite frankly, we went uh, really long on Monday night, so I was like, yeah. Eh, I got things to attend to. I got I got uh, visitors coming in town this weekend, so I was like, I don't Listen, need to go an hour and a half tonight. So uh, that's why we're only doing sure the Power Five. No other. Our reason. listeners really care about us breaking down New Mexico State versus Liberty. I'm I'm just saying, if hey. if that's so, happy to do it. We might um, have some flames sure. in the audience. Who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, and before we get into that, Pierce, we need to introduce our other co-host, our other brother, Pierce. Or Pierce. Hank, Hank, how are you? I'm doing all right. Um, long day of work. My brain's pretty fried, so bear with me here. I'm going to try to put together coherent thoughts, but I'm excited to uh, get in these games. A couple of duds, like Pierce mentioned, but still going to be a fun weekend, so I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is a little bit lackluster in some of the conferences, but again, anything could happen. Uh, let's talk about playoff rankings really quick. Pierce touched on it a little bit, kind of telling to see what the committee did last night of Georgia coming in at number one, uh, Michigan in at number two. Uh, there was I saw some chatter that maybe Michigan would jump Georgia. I I, I didn't see the world where that happened, but okay. Um, number three, of course, being the Washington Huskies, and then number four, Florida State. So all your unbeatens are at the top, um, in the top four. And if they were all to win, that uh, that leads me to believe that they would all be in the playoff. I don't think that they would, you know, obviously nobody can jump save for maybe uh, a Texas or something if they do something in, in you know, impressive fashion. But because of where they place the other teams, 
Pierce, I don't know if that happens. Number five was Oregon. Number six was Ohio State. Number seven, Texas. Number eight, Alabama. So if you are an Alabama or a Texas fan, you not only have to win, you have to kind of hope for some some chaos in front of you as well. You have to hope for someone else to lose because, uh, yeah, I mean, based on what the committee did now, I would imagine they get back in there on on Sunday and they talk about it more. I'd imagine they probably would put in Texas over Ohio State. But what they said last night is, yo, Ohio State, we're more impressed with you as a team than the Texas Longhorns, which is interesting because if Bama were to beat Georgia, that then gives Texas like the best win of the season, going to Tuscaloosa and beating Alabama. So um, a lot of stuff is in flux. It, it's honestly probably, as far as I can remember, the most wide open the playoff race has been uh, since the four-team playoff became a thing. Um, and, and I got to say, I'm happy it is ending this way because it is, um, you know, I think, I don't know how to put this. I think you're seeing why the four-team playoff is pretty good. Uh, and I think we might be going with the 12-team playoff. Maybe this intrigue isn't as much. Um, certainly championship weekend is not as, as thrilling. Then you're fighting for like what? First first place, uh, you know, the, the bye week. So still a big thing. But um, yeah, I mean, were there anything, anything shocking to y'all about the way that the rankings went down? I'll be honest. I was a little surprised. Alabama wasn't a little bit higher. Um, but I think that's, because of the fact that they feel like they can't put them in front of Texas because of the fact that Texas beat Alabama. So um, that's why I think Bama needs a little bit more help than just they beat the SEC championship. People are like, oh, if they win the SEC championship, they're in. I'm not sure. If if Bama wins the SEC championship, Pierce, and you just you tell me if you disagree, I don't think that an SEC team's getting in. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I certainly think that is one way I read this. Um, Alabama being at eighth, I, I know it's difficult for them to to jump Texas in a lot of people's minds because you know Texas has the head to head. But one team's gotten better, and the other team has kind of been middling um, for for a while now. So it, it is interesting. I I, I think that. I think there were a couple things at play here. I think that if they put Michigan in front of Georgia, now do I think that should be the case? No, but. Would it have surprised me a lot? No, and here's why. I think if you put Georgia at two, you're probably saying Georgia with a loss, a close loss against Bama, has no opportunity to sneak in at four. Um, I think that's that's one of the signs. That's that's something that I kind of look at and maybe reading between the tea leaves. Um, I also think that uh, you know Texas and Bama certainly don't don't control their own destiny. I, I, I and and I'm kind of surprised that uh, that they haven't moved. You know. I understand Ohio State's one loss was to, uh, to to a good Michigan team, so that's a better loss than either Texas has or Bama has. But um, you know, I, I still recency bias. Bama's been much better, and then I think the other thing that that really surprised me was um, FSU at four. Um, I, I think that uh, and and some of the conversations that you know with the committee that they had afterwards, you know the. <laughs> Hell, the, the, the lead guy, Boo Corgan, who who's the AD at NC State, keep in mind, an ACC school, said, you know, this we're, we're, that's one of the things we're looking at is, uh, you know, how they're playing now and are, do they have a complete roster? And he said, you know, we're, this is definitely a different team. So moving them back to four certainly means that they kind of have to come out and play a, a really good ball game, I think. Um, or, you know, they well, could they were potentially five get jumped. Week. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that they just had to move them up because Ohio State – but there's there's a there's a real chance that there could be an argument for a one loss team in this scenario. He's just leaving it open. 
I'm just reading between yeah. the tea leaves of what he said and all that. I'm not saying this is what I believe, um, you know, is going to happen. I'm just saying those are kind of some signs, you know, they, they do move people around in, in ways. Um, you know, if you're playing a head to head, like Washington, Oregon, it doesn't really matter where you put them, you know? So if one falls below the other, it doesn't matter because they're playing each other and all get sorted out. Um, but I think they made a statement with Alabama still at eight. Um, they made a statement with Ohio state at six saying that, you know, Ohio State has a better loss than those two and therefore a better resume and has a better chance of getting in in a weird way. Um, obviously, Bama could, could get in with a, with a win against Georgia. But, um, yeah, so it's fascinating. And, and it's weird because I, I agree with you, Madison. The four-team playoff is, I think, perfect, to be quite honest with you. You look at years past, and, and there's always one team getting in that just gets, you know, hammered. Um, but this would be kind of a fun year for a 12-team because there are – a lot of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of, you know, mouths to feed. So it's right. kind of fascinating. I, I don't disagree there, but I think that you're also seeing the drop off between the haves and the have nots is bigger than ever this year. So, um, yeah. And, and, and to your point Pierce about kind of like the posturing of how they've done everything, um, uh, you know, the only team, you know, getting benefit of the doubt. Yes. It's the best loss, but the only team that doesn't control their destiny in all of this is Ohio state. They can't win and you're in scenario. Everyone else in the top eight win and you have a, you know, have a very legitimate chance slash argument to get in, um, even with one loss. Uh, so that is interesting. I, I can't imagine unless just mass chaos happened that they would make it in because I think even those teams below them will end up jumping them. If they win out, you know, Texas wins the, the pack, or the, the Big Ten 12 championship, I should say. I can't imagine they don't uh, jump Ohio State. But the big question mark in all of this, and it's the thing that you and I have gone back and forth with a bunch, which is FSU. And, you know, yes, they have that backup quarterback. Yes, they don't have their full team, uh, you know, the strength and everything like that. Yes, they have had some pretty close losses. I would argue so does Washington. And people are saying that Washington has the best resume in the country. But, and I understand they played more people or whatever. But point is, Yes, there's all these arguments you can make for FSU. And at the same time, my argument has always been, but that's why you play the games. Like if, if it's just going to be, hey, I test, then just play the month of September and then that's boom, just put the people in. Like why are we even playing, you know, these, these, the rest of the games? Like it should matter what you do the whole season. But I haven't really gotten Hank's thought on all of this. So Hank, you've heard me and Pierce go back. And of course we had some spirited discussions during Thanksgiving. Pierce falling on the side of, I don't want to see an FSU who's got a backup quarterback and is probably going to get bullied in the playoffs. Um, And you've heard me say, Hey, I think they should still get a shot because of what they did during the regular season. Yes, they might get bullied, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like you, you just have to, that's what you have to deal with. Um, so where do you land on all of this, the FSU thing? What what are your thoughts as far as, you know, we can Speak get into very picks. carefully here, Hank. We can get into no. picks and everything later. I'm not ta- asking for a pick. I'm not asking for a prediction. Yeah, yeah. I'm not asking for <clears throat> hopes. I'm just asking with your thoughts here, with FSU being four, they win, they're theoretically in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I honestly lean more toward Pierce. I mean, I think I get what you're saying. Obviously the games need to matter and everything, but that's kind of why the committee and everything was formed so that it wasn't like a straightforward, Oh, they, you know, this is their resume. This is, you know, like a formula and they they get in. I mean, you got a quarterback that's going out there and playing this big time competition in his first, you know, his first month starting first week starting. He's going to, I mean, he's, he's not going to be, up to the same level as them. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's, there's one data point, you know, with Ohio state, 
showing that that can, you know, work out obviously, but I mean, you know, you can't, I wouldn't say you can base that off of one data point there in the past. I think, I think there has to be some subjectivity to it. And that's the point of this whole committee and everything. So I lean toward more FSU, you know, putting, putting the four best teams in to an extent. I mean, obviously you got to take everything into account, um, you know, resume and, and all that and um, head to heads and all that. But I mean, I just think, I mean, maybe it's selfish, but I, I just don't think a Florida state with a backup, a backup quarterback needs to be in there a hundred percent. I think, you know, I mean, if they win against Louisville, I have no, I mean, depending on how it is, I mean, it's a last second field goal, you know, they, 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 you know, I I don't have any problem leaving them out really. Um, depending on what, you know, what else happens. Um, obviously a lot of stuff has to happen, but I, I, I lean toward more of, you know, there's gotta be some subjectivity into it and putting the four best teams, you know, in there to a certain extent, you know, everything. So let me ask this, Pierce, I know you were about to say something, but I want to ask this question first. I don't know if it's going to influence you or, or derail what you were about to say, but the other thing you look at and the other, actually there's two devil's advocates with this one this is just more of an observation. I think it's funny. Some of the people that have been banging the drum most for a playoff expansion are the ones like, oh, but we're going to have such a bad game if FSU's in it. Y'all realize if we were at a 12-team playoff, they're in. Like, next year, this isn't going to matter. They're in. So the same people who are like, but we don't want to see blowouts. You're going to get blowouts. You're getting teams in that don't have a business playing the top three, four teams. NFL, anything can happen. People can go on runs. The parity between teams is so much smaller. College, that can drop off. That's the first observation. Um, the second thing I'll say is FSU, for the entirety of the season, have had one of the best wins on their resume, which was LSU. Now, you can say that aged poorly because LSU lost a few times. Um, you know, they do have who I think should win the Heisman on their team for what it's worth. Um, and, and yes, they had to play a bunch of cupcakes in the ACC. They did go to Clemson and win, which ended up being a better win as the season went on because Clemson got their mojo back. Um, had to go to, no, Miami came to them, but that's a big rivalry game. And then went to the swamp with a first time backup quarterback. But all that was already on their schedule. But let's look at the first game they scheduled with LSU. And we all just want to trash, hey, why don't people go play better, bigger non-conference games? Why do they schedule these cupcakes? Why are we watching, now granted they lost, but why are we watching Auburn pay $1.8 million to have New Mexico State come? Why, I mean, I, I graduated from Sanford University. We like legit have a little like travel schedule. One year we're playing, it's every other year we're like at Auburn. We go to Florida sometimes, we've been to FSU, we've played Georgia. Like, why would you not just schedule those people if it's not going to like what you're saying is, Hey, like guys just basically like, it doesn't matter because if you lose your quarterback, like it's just going to discourage to me, it's just going to discourage people going out and scheduling those big non-conference games. Because what you're saying is, Hey, you went and you had the guts to schedule LSU and you've done it two years in a row. Now you had the guts to go out and schedule FSU or LSU, but it doesn't really matter. We don't really care. We value what we saw with you know, a Michigan more. Obviously, Michigan, I agree, would be a would probably beat FSU. I agree with that, that notion. But all these people who are giving these other teams crap for playing a cupcake schedule, FSU did something that everybody else wants them wants teams to do. They went out and they scheduled a non-conference hard opponent in a neutral setting. And 
we want those big matchups. That's going to discourage people because what you're saying is, hey, it doesn't matter. What is the incentive of going and playing those games? It doesn't matter because even if you win them, we don't think you're the best team. You're not going to get in. So that's that's kind of my devil's advocate here. And I don't know if, Pierce, you want to say anything. I know you were, like I said, getting ready to say something. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I get where you're coming from with the 12-team scenario um, 100%. I, I think really what you're talking about more so and in, in, in why – I'm still kind of on the different side is because actually we're kind of in line with this. It, I think it should be a four team playoff because I, I, I don't want to have those first round games of, you know, if, if it was a 12 team playoff, we'd be talking about LSU potentially getting in or like, you know, someone that just like, okay, maybe they get lucky and don't play anybody, but like then you're just right back at square, square one where those teams then go play the, the teams with buys and, and, you know, most likely get, get creamed, get, get smoked off the field. So, you know, I, I I just think in this format, it's best teams. Obviously, in the 12 team, you would have best teams too. And FSU is the best team. I think when it comes to FSU, though, they have a two-game – it's a two-game season, and that's a, that, that sucks. It is what it is. But the that, the game last week, which I actually think is a better win than people are giving them credit for, um, coming back, first start on the road in the Swamp. The Swamp's a top five to six place to play um, from a difficulty standpoint. So I actually uh, uh, you know value that win a little bit more than maybe maybe the average person. Um, but they need to go do it here. That's that's the thing with Ohio State and why they and, – and trust me, I was on the wrong side of that, y'all. So I, I had TC, – TCU was third in the country at that point, first time the playoff was happening. And Ohio State, for the three games that Cardell Jones was in, dominated everyone and then beat Wisconsin in the conference championship game by 55. And TCU falls two spots and gets left out and gets snubbed. And I think TCU was right there with Ohio State as the best team in the country that year, to be to be a little bit biased, but but seriously, at, at the same time. Um, so, you know, it sucks for them, but it, it's a two-game season for them. If they go in and, and, and play well this weekend um, and, and win by 21-24, It'd be another notch in their belt. It would be their best win of the season, um, you know, to be. And, and I think when it comes to, to tie it into your your point about the scheduling tough opponents, and I, I'm on in line with you. I want teams to schedule tougher opponents. Some teams have to schedule opponents out of necessity. Florida State has not garnered enough good grace like a Clemson to run through a very weak conference and even have some lulls and just get the benefit of the doubt. They had to go out and schedule someone out of necessity, in my opinion, that might need, so that they have a better resume. Um, you know, obviously, sometimes in, in certain cases over the last few years, due to conference realignment, things have changed where you've you've got, had games pulled and, and the like. Like Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma, um, and and that was pulled because SEC told them, "Hey, you're going to play it down the road." So uh, you know, it, it's a little bit different if you're in a tough conference like the SEC. And I know the SEC might have been down this year, but you know. You might why why necessarily you don't necessarily need it for your resume. So there's there's kind of a a necessity thing for some of these teams to go out and schedule better teams so that they do have that resume. I mean, um, who was it uh, two years ago? Cincinnati had to go out and play somebody else. I can't remember who they played, um, but you know you tend to have to do that if you haven't built up that good graces uh, the good grace of uh, you know having multiple years in a row of really you know being in and the committee knows who, what team you're going to bring to the table. Um, but yeah, I can't remember what, uh, I'm trying to think of what Hank was saying. Um, but I can't quite remember, but maybe I covered it in those, uh, in those two rundowns there. Well, the other thing is, and this is where I will say, because I understand that this Florida state team, even my bias aside, I understand this Florida state team is different 
without Jordan Travis with Tate Rodemaker. Now, can he go out in a neutral field and light up Louisiana or Louisiana? Uh, Louisville, maybe. But here's the biggest thing, and this is where it's interesting for a Georgia fan. If they get in unbeaten, conference champ, and let's just say for craps and giggles, Oregon beats Washington. We gotta assume that Oregon's in. The seeding of that now matters immensely because someone's mm-hmm. gonna get to play a beat up FSU team who got by because they're undefeated and because they won their conference championship against a Louisville team that is apparently not that good, although could potentially beat them. And the other one's going to have to play a flaming hot Heisman candidate, Oregon Ducks team. And that's not quite even playing field. So to your point, I'm glad you said this, because this ties into what I wanted to say when uh, in response to Hank. Um, I saw today via Chris Felica, the bear, some hypothetical college football lines for the first round, potential first round matchups of college football playoff. Here's what they had. This is from a bookmaker um, out in Las Vegas. They have Georgia minus 15 against Florida State. They have Michigan minus 12 versus Florida State. Now watch how this changes, Madison, with the Oregon matchup. Georgia minus one yep. against Oregon and Oregon two point favorites against Michigan. Yeah. So to your point, <laughs> it would be very fascinating if that scenario does unfold to see who gets who. I mean, <laughs> you would have thought last year though, at the same time, you would have thought last year TCU would have been a much easier matchup than having to play Ohio state. And we saw how those, those, you know, those two games went. So it's, it's fascinating. At the well, same and time. even, even if Oregon doesn't get in, let's just say that, you know, cause if you're Georgia not, you get screwed. But on the flip side, let's say that everything holds serve and the four unbeaten stay unbeaten after this. Well, then you're looking at Georgia playing FSU and Michigan having to play Oregon or I mean, sorry, Washington. So in this, and someone's getting screwed if they're, they're the other team not having to play FSU. And, and that's sad to me how good of a season they had. But um, I digress. It'll be interesting to see what happens. They would make the, if you're the committee, you're rooting for uh, Georgia to win so that you don't have to have that Bama conversation, you know, Michigan to win. Um, so you don't have to have the Ohio State conversation. I mean, that, that wouldn't really actually happen. But um, you're rushing for uh, Washington to win or Oregon. I guess that doesn't matter. And then you're wishing for FSU to lose. That If you are, the committee's two big things they're wishing for is Georgia to win. And LSU or FSU to lose. So yeah, Georgia's the big one. That that's the big Georgia's the big one. Yeah, because they Car- carnage if Bama wins. Carnage if Bama. Yeah, carnage if Bama wins. Not only do you have to have if Bama wins, you have to have the Georgia conversation or sorry, the Bama conversation about do you put them in, but you could have the conversation about keeping you know still putting Georgia in, and that would be giving them the benefit of the doubt year over year, not necessarily this year. But you do have to have that conversation of, especially if it's close and it comes down to like a double overtime situation or something, you know, it's a second and 26 again. You have to have the Georgia conversation of, do we still put them in? Because I test, which is why the committee was made, like y'all say, I test if it comes down to that is like, yeah, you do. You you have to at least talk about it. Yeah. And it's not the end all be all why the committee was made, but it, it should play a part. And it would be fascinating. It would really... I mean, I, I would feel pretty – I think I know where your stance would lie, but what happens if – and this could possibly happen. Obviously, things have to fall that way, you know, a certain way. But what if it comes down to the fourth slot and it's between you know, Oregon, Georgia, and FSU? Is Georgia like, 
has a loss in this situation? So you're probably putting Oregon in if with a win. You have Alabama and Michigan. So what yeah. if it comes down to really just Georgia and FSU? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where tough. That's, that's where it's tough, right? Because that's those are my two yeah. teams too. So um, I'll admit, hand up, this is going to break our uncle's heart, but I admit, like, I would want Georgia in. Um, and from a viewer standpoint, you should want Georgia in because so. it's a, probably a better game. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Any yeah. any last I think thoughts? FSU's- I think FSU's best chance is to be going up against Texas. Um, I, I think that, I think that if it ends up coming down like Alabama wins, and and then they have to go up against Georgia and that's the committee, um, you know, or or, you know, I, I think I think that's who they need to be hoping that they are fighting for in that last slot. Um, yeah. Not necessarily a Georgia or or an Oregon. Yeah. Well, all this all this could be for not, or all this could be in chaos. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Sunday. Um, open the floor last one last time for Hank. I know that Pierce and I dominated that conversation. Do you have anything you want to add? Anything you want to pose a question for? Any, um, you know, speculations? No, I, mean, I think I think y'all pretty much covered it. <clears throat> I don't have as many uh, okay. strong opinions as y'all do. So, well, if you could, you guys can't see because it's obviously a, an audio medium. But uh, Hank kept leaving the camera, so I was like, oh, he is out of this conversation. <laughs> he is ready. To move got on, a, I got a dog who is just being absurd. So, oh, well, have to deal with him. Classic. Um, all right. Well, let's flip it over here, boys. Let's talk about the games and uh, everything that's got we've got going on this weekend. Power five only. Like I said, uh, if you are part of the pick'em pool, there is one more week of picks you need to make. It is the championship weekend. You have more than just these five, but these are the only five we're going to preview. Um, we're already 30. I told you it was going to not be an hour and a half. We're already 30 minutes in. Look at me. Um, all right. Friday night, ABC Pac-12 championship, 8 PM Eastern time, the number five Oregon ducks and the number three Washington Huskies in a rematch. Oregon, of course, their only loss of the season being Washington, Washington sitting at 12 and Oh, uh, it really quick, quick side note, boys, no comments or questions or anything about this. But the funny thing is, is I'm happy to see this kind of rematch. You know, obviously they did away with divisions in the Pac-12. So now you get to get see rematches like this as opposed to them both in Pac-12 North. But how much would that have sucked to turn around and have just played that epic Ohio State-Michigan game and to turn around with the divisions going away in the Big Ten? You're probably going to have to see them replay like the next week most most years. That's going to be really weird and not very fun. Um, anyways, so we're talking about Pac-12 championship. Oregon on a neutral field. Of course, they lost by three at Washington in the middle of the season. On a neutral field, they are favored by nine and a half. Uh, been a little bit of scorched earth for the Ducks since they lost to Washington. Washington has had s- some closer calls uh, since that game. Michael Penix Jr. has stepped off a little bit from being a Heisman, uh, you know, front runner. But the person who, the quarterback who wins this game, certainly has to be, you know, fresh on everybody's lips. Uh, you know, we'll see what they do with Jaden Daniels there at um, LSU. But the winner of this, you got to think, as of the very minimum, going to New York, uh, maybe both of them. So. A lot of interesting storylines with this. I love that this is on Friday night every single year so that you just watch this game. You don't have to worry about, you know, you know whatever else is going on. Um, we'll start with Hank, as always. Oregon favored by 9.5 points, neutral field. Do you think Washington stays unbeaten, or does Oregon avenge that loss um, from early on in the season? I think that – I think Oregon <clears> – <throat> I got Oregon. Uh, 9.5 is a lot. I yeah, minus a nine and a half. Um, I 
at first glance, I didn't love it. I, I kind of first first thought was Washington. Um, but the more I thought about it, it's just I just feel like it's teams trending in opposite directions. Um, and I, I've kind of just been saying Washington's, you know, trending down and they're going to lose. I think I've bet against them a couple of times recently in the last few weeks and they they still got it done. So um, they've proved me wrong a little bit, but I think this is, this is where they stumble. And I think Oregon, you know, is just, I mean, you got two Heisman winning quarterbacks, but all in all, Oregon, just a more dominant team, in my opinion, all around. I think they can, um, you know, neutral site, they can, they can get this done. I, I mean, from a betting perspective, honestly, I've seen a couple, couple people on, um, on Washington money line, I think is at like plus 300 or something at one point. Um, that may be a better value, but if I'm just going straight off how I feel that, that how this game's going to go, I think, I think Oregon can, can get it done by, by 10, maybe two touchdowns. So I'm taking Oregon. All right. Hank likes the ducks. Pierce, what about you? I'm really torn on this one. <clears throat> I think that, uh, you know, when you look at this matchup and you break it down statistically, I, a lot of things line up for Oregon um, and, and, and point out Oregon. First thing I noticed right away, this spread at minus nine and a half seems crazy. Um, I, I don't know about y'all. It, it seems, you know, I, yes, okay, Oregon's been playing really good and they seem to have improved. But I can also make the argument that who the hell have they played? Their best win out, you know, is Utah, who I think just fell out of the top 25. And they're, they have one good loss, and that's Washington. Washington has played a tougher schedule and, and had better wins. So, uh, yeah, I know Washington hasn't been playing great as of late, but it, it's it's pretty fascinating to see this number at nine and a half. That first thing scares me a little bit. I, I'm, I'm pretty torn. When you break it down um, from a statistical uh, level, Oregon's strength on D is defending the run, um, but they're very susceptible through the air. So I do think Washington and company will have success as they did in the first matchup. Here's the interesting thing, though. How healthy is Michael Penix? I've been seeing things the last few weeks that he's pretty dinged up. Um, he's not, and 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 I know some of his weapons have also been dinged up. Um, but it seems like he's just he's got a one trick pony with uh, Roma Dunze. It just seems like whenever they need to get out of jail free card, that's where they're going with it. Um, now on the flip side, Washington's defense has been playing better. Um, you know, I, I, they're decent against the run. I'm not going to say they're great. They're decent. But they also struggle against the pass, and Oregon is is first in the country in passing yards, and Washington second. So both teams ought to find success through the air. Um, I think this is a game that comes down to to the revenge playing a major role. Um, again, Penix being slightly uh, dinged up, or the rumors are that he's slightly dinged up. Um, I think there are a couple guys on Washington's team that you know maybe watch as this week goes along over the next you know I, shoot I guess two days to see uh, what their injury status is. I, you know I also have some people that I trust in the industry. Not saying I'm part of the industry, so don't give me shit, Madison. I know you want to, but guys in the industry of betting that are pros, unlike us and unlike me, um, who already have positions on Oregon. And and so that scares me because statistically, I think Washington's going to keep this pretty close. I think Oregon gets the revenge spot. Um, but so for this, I'll take Washington plus the points. If it gets the ten, I think it's definitely Washington. But I, I, it does scare me that this number is high, as well as 
you got a lot of people that I that I, I trust and follow also on Oregon. So give me Washington plus nine and a half, but very uneasily. Yeah, I'm with you, Pierce. What you said about the line being a little bit higher, making your head scratch a little bit. I, I mean, yes, I understand that the hot name right now is Oregon and Bo Nix. Everybody's like, yeah, but what they've done since then, and I wouldn't know how to play Oregon and stuff. But to your point, it's not like they're playing world beaters. You know, they're not out here. Um, you know, necessarily. I mean, I'm looking at their last five games, Utah, Cal, USC, Arizona State. Cal, USC, and Arizona State, I'm sorry, and Oregon State. Cal, USC, and Oregon, um, Arizona State are horrible this year. Um, maybe USC is not horrible, but they're not good um, compared to what they were supposed to be. And then Utah and Oregon State. We know, um, and I, I, it's a lazy narrative, I hate to do it, but it is true. We know the difference between home bonics and ro- road bonics. This is at a neutral setting, so maybe that kind of, you know, neutralizes that. Um, I got to bear witness to Bo Nix in a neutral setting one time. It, you know, he still wasn't unflappable. Uh, in fact, they got downright killed. Um, I think ultimately what it comes down to for me, despite the fact that I do think Oregon avenges their loss, I do think they get the win. Washington just has that it factor right now. They have that that TCU factor last year where they might not they they might not be supposed to win the game i mean they have the entire season but you know it, they're, maybe they're supposed to blow people out and it doesn't look like you know oh my gosh but you know i don't know they just feel very gutsy to me like yes they're three point wins but like maybe they're just like overinflated a little bit i don't know i i, I all that to say i'm having a, a head spin about the nine and a half number i think washington has you know gutsy um, I, I think I trust, even though Bo Nix is putting up better numbers as of late, I think I trust Bo Nix, or sorry, Michael Penix, uh, to be flustered a little bit more than Bo Nix. Um, and I think Washington, uh, you know, they had the game plan the first time around. Maybe they don't win this time, but I think they keep it close enough. And uh, hopefully, I, I hope so, because usually that Friday night game, um, you know, doesn't mean much. And this year it means everything. So I'm excited for that one. Let's flip it over to the big 12 championship at noon Eastern time on ABC, the number 18 Oklahoma state Cowboys trying to upset and spoil the playoff hopes of the number seven Texas Longhorns. Of course, the, you've already heard us go through it. The scenario for Texas is you have to win. Nothing else matters. If you don't win, Oklahoma State has already played big-time spoiler to somebody else in their conference, their big-time rival, Oklahoma, as they get ready to head to the SEC next season. They'd love to do it here to the Texas Longhorns as well and keep the Big 12 out uh, in the final season of Texas and Oklahoma you know, being in the conference. And it certainly becomes a, a harder road to hoe when you are those two teams in the SEC next year to potentially make it to the playoffs. So, that is kind of what's at stake here. It is a big line. Texas is favored by 14 and a half points in this game. Um, it, yes, that feels like a lot, but Oklahoma State has three losses on the season, most recently losing at US or UCF. Um, and they do have that loss earlier on in the season, too, to South Alabama, which was absolutely head-scratching. Uh, we'll start with Hank here in the Big 12 Championship. Do you think Texas wins this? I don't think that a lot of people are guessing that Texas is going to win, but do you think they cover this? Is it easy enough that they put up the style points that the committee goes, hey, we got to take a second look at Texas? Or is this a close one? Oklahoma State keeps it close, and it's enough to keep them out uh, of even with a conference championship. Yeah, I don't know. This one's a tough one. I, I, I definitely think Texas, you know, comes away with a win. 
Um, this is one that opened. That, I mean, we're picking at 14 and a half, but it opened at 11 and a half and was bet up real quick. Some sides show them 15 now. So I, at 11 and a half, I would have, I wish I had seen that. I wish I was on the lines um, first thing because that I would have loved taking Texas at that number. Um, I, I mean, it's just a bad, it's a bad matchup really for Oklahoma State. Um, as far as I know, their, their main. Uh, key to success, obviously, with um, what's his name, Ollie Gordon. Is that his name? Ollie, some something like that. Um, he, yeah, he he's their key to success, and and the thing that you know Texas defense does uh, very well um, is contain the rush. So I think they're averaging, they're allowing eighty five rushing yards per game, which is third in the country. So that's, I mean, obviously he's gonna he's gonna get. He's going to get some some running in on him um, for sure, but if they can contain him, it's just they don't really have the matchups on the outside favorable enough to to really do much to the air, in my opinion. So I think Texas definitely wins this at the 14.5 number. I'm a little sketched out by it, um, but ultimately I think that Texas is going to kind of need those style points, and as long as they are firing, they're going to try to um try to do so so i i think that they i'm going to take texas minus 14 and a half um but you know i could see this being a cover by the cowboys e- even if texas is um you know handling them the whole game um but i'm going to i'm going to go texas for this um but you know reluctantly could be a sketchy one hank likes two favorites here so far we'll flip it over to pierce what do you think yeah, I'm on. I'm I'm in line with Hank there, and I feel like this is a sucker play. Um, I feel like I don't know if y'all have seen this. This line has been bet up to fifteen and a half, and saw some people think that it could even get to seventeen, uh, which <laughs> scares the bejesus out of me, especially against uh, a Gundy led team, which I'm sure he'll have some tricks up his sleeve. And um, you know, they ought to. They, that's one of the, the the things that I'm looking at most is God. How can I quantify? what Gundy's going to bring to the table here um, because, you know, he, he definitely, he comes out and has his boys ready. They could, they could certainly keep this within a number. I, I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, if they, if they could really win uh, what the percentage is there, but certainly keep this within, you know, two touchdowns. But um, it also really matters about Texas. Like Texas has struggled to finish drives. They struggle to score the football unless they're scoring, you know, from 20 plus yards out. Um, and, and, and therefore they, they rely on big plays. Um, so if they come out and, and, and they're firing on all cylinders like Texas Tech uh, last week, they're going to they're gonna dominate this ball game. Um, a couple of things that are interesting to note in this one. Um, Hank, I, I agree with you. You mentioned the strength of the, of the or, or Oklahoma State offense is their running attack. Interestingly enough, they actually throw the ball better than they run it, um, which I found fascinating. They've clearly gotten better there as the season has gone on. Um, they do average 265 yards through the air, which is, you know, top 50 in the country. Um, and Texas can be had through there. They are very, very good against the run. So I expect them to really slow down Oklahoma State's uh, uh, running game. However, because they're a little bit leaky on the back end, if if they do get down, I do think that when they get pressed into throwing, that they can, uh, they can you know, hit some big plays and, and move the ball down the field through the air. Uh, another thing to keep in mind, both teams actually do turn the ball over a good bit, um, but they also turn the ball over on the flip side. Um, Texas slightly better than Oklahoma State in both those categories, both turnovers gained and turnovers allowed. Um, so be on the lookout there for a potential late, you know, 
a bad pick by uh, Oklahoma State to get us this cover um, because I, I don't think it's going to be super, super easy here for Texas if they don't come out. And, and they've had a tendency to play with their food. Um, they did it against Kansas State. Um, they, they did it against, I believe it was Houston. Uh, if they don't, if they don't put the f- pedal to the metal and, and, and get up big, then I don't know if, uh, you know, Oklahoma State can, can certainly keep this one within a number. I'm going to bet that Texas, you know, they know, I think they know they need style points in this one. They don't control their own destiny necessarily like, uh, you know, Oregon or Washington or Georgia or hell, maybe even Bama um, and Michigan. They need style points here. They need to put up a big effort here against uh, in, in the conference championship. I think they're, they'll be motivated for that. Um, and A.D. Mitchell and, and Xavier where they have a big day. So give me Texas minus 14 and a half, but it definitely feels like a, the ratty side. Well, maybe I'll play the sucker here, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to decide. I'm, I'm deciding in real time. 14 and a half feels like a lot. I do agree with you, Pierce, that they're going to want to put up style points. Going to probably have to put up style points. But I also think this Oklahoma State team is one of those teams who has a tendency to rise when you least expect it or think that they're out of it. Um, you know, they're, they're games they've lost. They should not have lost. Uh, but they also have won games they shouldn't have won. They should not have beaten Oklahoma. Uh, yes, that game was in Stillwater, but they should not have beaten Oklahoma. There's something about this team that I'm just like, I don't know. Could they keep it close? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy about that. I think I'm going to... Nasker, nah, I'm taking Texas. Texas is going to have to put up those style points. They're going to have to, uh, you know, quite frankly, they're a more talented team. Um, I think that uh, Gundy was a one-trick pony with that win over Oklahoma. I think that they had that scheduled all year long. I'm not quite sure uh, how prepared or how fired up they'll be for a Texas game that they haven't had scheduled all season long. I think Texas rolls in this one. Um, and, and like I said, just like you said, Pierce, just, just more talented, better team. Um and all around, both offensively, yes. Can Oklahoma State move the ball? Yes. But defensively, they're Swiss cheese. I think Texas should be able to uh, to score uh, often on them, and they should be able to stop Oklahoma State enough to, uh, to cover that 14 and a half. All right, SEC championship time. The number one Georgia Bulldogs and the number eight Alabama Crimson tied that game at 4 o'clock Eastern on CBS. Uh, a lot of talk. I was watching at a place where I didn't have sound, so there was a lot of talk apparently from the CBS crew about how this is our last SEC game. Isn't this technically the last SEC game that uh, will be on CBS, which is very sad to think about. The last time we hear uh, Gary Danielson and Brad Nestler on a call, some people are excited about that. I'm, I'm kind of sad because I, I kind of like the, the tradition and the fanfare with the CBS game. I'm more sad about the theme music. The theme music is great. Chills down your spine. God, can you imagine we're not going to get that next year? That just is, that is absurd yeah, and, and pisses me off. Yeah, and I, what we're going to have the ESPN one? I don't even know what the ESPN one is. Exactly. So. Well, let's no talk idea. about this game. Uh, five and a half points is what Georgia is favored by in this one. Georgia, of course, unbeaten for the third regular season in a row. The last time they lost, in fact, was to Alabama in the SEC championship game before they won their first national title since 1980. Bama has one loss on the season. It was to a Texas team early on in the season in Tuscaloosa. Since then, it was a little sketchy at first. Everybody was like, the dynasty's dead. And then it has been off to the races ever since then um, with them getting some revenge on some teams as well. Carson Beck, Jalen Milrow. It's got all the, I mean, it's got all the makings of something great. I don't, neither of these guys are like really in the talks for the Heisman, but they probably will be next year. Um, it's, it's 
old school versus, or sorry, not old school, but uh, it's old dynasty versus potential new dynasty. It's it's this rivalry we've become so accustomed to between the two of them. And quite frankly, they are the top dogs of the SEC. So it should be a good one. Five and a half points. Hank, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I'm torn. I mean, I <clears throat> the Georgia fan in me is is super duper duper scared for this one. Um, Alabama just, for whatever reason, just doesn't lose in Atlanta. Um, like you mentioned last podcast, we were there for the last one. That was heartbreaking. I, I and I I felt like we were we had that one that year. This one I'm a little scared about, which is weird because Alabama is kind of down. I guess in in comparison to some past years, but I think this is going to be a close one. I'm I can see this being a, a field goal game, so I'm going to take Alabama. Um, you know, Saban's going to have them, uh, you know, dialed up as you might say. But and and I hope I don't know what the status of all um, Georgia players are. You know, Lad and Ra Ra and and um, Brock. I'm assuming they'll play um how healthy a couple of them are we'll see but it's gonna be a fun one for sure i'm gonna take alabama plus the points i don't have a ton of analysis i haven't dove too deep into this um i think brock obviously edges out Jalen there as a passer um so that that's a a plus for georgia but you know then what did i say brock oh yeah carson Uh, brock might might be able to play quarterback we all know um (laughs) But yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the main area of um, of the um, I guess that and and some of the offensive weapons. So I think I think Carson and and those those um, offensive weapons, just the offense in general, really needs to uh, really edge out Bama there because I think I think they're that both defenses are going to be um, it'd be solid. I, I I'm a little nervous about some of Georgia's, you know, leaky leakiness on defense some some weeks and last week even so I'm or not yeah, I mean last week and really a lot of weeks, but yeah, I'm a little nervous, so I'm gonna take Alabama. I'm I'm thinking Georgia pulls it out. I'm hoping Georgia pulls it out, but I think it's a field goal game. So I'm taking the points with Alabama. All right. A little bit of emotional hedge potentially there, Hank. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Pierce, what do you think? I'm torn as well. Um, listen, I, I've run through this game every which way, and um, there's no hiding, and this is me being completely unbiased. I think Georgia's the better team if they play 10 times out of 10. I think Georgia wins at least six of those, um, and, and probably only six. Uh, you know, I do think Alabama is a top four team in this country right now. Um, well, maybe I should say top five because Michigan and Ohio State are, are were pretty even in their matchup. Um I think this one is very similar to how I view the Missouri game. Um, and, and if you all remember what I talked about, uh, you know, Missouri did, does a lot of good things, just like Alabama does. Um, and I'm sure Bama fans will be pissed that I'm comparing to Missouri. Listen, Missouri probably would beat y'all this year, so sit down and shut up. Um, I had to piss them off there. Um, but it's very similar to Miss Missouri for one simple fact. Can you contain the quarterback? from scrambling and making his own plays out of nothing. That's what scares me the most in this one. Uh, listen, Milrow's two best attributes are his legs and his downfield throwing. He's actually very, very good at throwing the ball down the field on deep passes. If you can make him you know, 
stick to his game plan and and throw to you know throw guys that are running their their actual routes and it's not backyard football. You know, I think there's a good good there's a chance that Georgia could play very well defensively here um, because when you do break down the stats, listen. Bama's a, a very good football team, and they've gotten better over the season, so maybe these stats are a little bit skewed. But to be frank, Georgia just does everything better. They're just on a better level this year in all those categories. However, when you do have a quarterback a la Jalen Milrow, it's kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to being able to create those plays out of nothing. So um, I think this game has two two areas that I'm fascinated to watch. Um, the first one is... Alabama trying to sack Carson Beck. I think they have to try to get after Carson Beck. They do a pretty darn good job at it. They do average three sacks per game. Um, that's good for for ninth in the country. And on the flip side, Georgia's one of the better teams at not allowing sacks. They only allow .83 sacks per game. So I, I, it's going to be a fascinating little you know uh, uh, chess match there on the offensive and de- defensive line to see if, because if you can speed Carson Beck up, there's a chance that you could, you know, force him into some errant throws or, or you know, you've seen that he, he there he's had a couple games. Uh, he had it uh, in the Auburn game. He had it for a little bit in the Missouri game where if you can get pressure, he, he can get a little flustered. Um, now, he's done a good job with that, at the, you know, at the same time. Um, it's not like he's throwing three or four pick sixes a la J.J. McCarthy against TCU last year. Um, but he can be a little bit flustered. But Georgia's very good at preventing the sack. So that's something fascinating. I said this about the, I believe it was the Tennessee game. Another area uh, of concern, um, particularly for Bama, is the third down, getting off the field on third downs. Georgia, we've talked about it all year, or at least I have. Georgia is one of the best teams in the country uh, at converting on third downs. Uh, in fact, they're sixth. They, they convert a third down 56.6% of the time. And Bama's just yeah, average. They they get off the field 33.9% of the time. That's tied for 72nd. So, I think Georgia is going to be able to move the ball. I think the play in this game, and and I think y'all might y'all probably both agree. I think Hank's probably in line with this after hearing his analysis. We'll see about Madison. The play here is the over, um, and it has gotten steamrolled up to fifty six. Uh, I I heard some people give it out at fifty three and a half. I missed that. I I, I went ahead and plugged it at fifty five and a half. I'm okay with that. Um, you know, Bama does. This is a faster turf. Bama does have good athletes. They're going to be able to score. Georgia doesn't have a dominant defense uh, like it did the last two years. They're very very good. But they're not elite, um, and this offense for Alabama has gotten better. I, I do think that they'll. I think there's there's. I think this is a thirty five, thirty eight to, you know, thirty, thirty three, thirty five type of game. I, I see it getting up into the sixties, um, and, and and whether Georgia's on the right side of that or not, from the spread standpoint, flip a coin. I'm going to take Bama like Hank. This isn't an emotional hedge. I can almost guarantee you, come Saturday. I will flip my pick and I'll actually have money on Georgia. I can almost guarantee that. Very similar to how I did in the Missouri game. I picked Missouri on this pod and I was very statistically everything backed up. What I was saying, I loved it. And then, of course, I was a little bit biased and took Georgia, which I don't often do. Um, but with the points five and a half, I like Alabama to keep this one close. But I think the the, the higher likelihood in, in all the scenarios is I think there's a better chance Georgia wins by two or three touchdowns than it is by Bama winning by two or three touchdowns. So, I'm going to just play, uh, be the sucker here and say this is a close game and, and Nick Saban and company come out and play well. And, um, you know, but Georgia sneaks it out um, in the end. I will not be attending this game despite it being my backyard, not only because I have other business to attend to, but also because the Mercedes Benz, I don't know what we call it. What is the name of it? 
I should know the stadium. I wanted to call it the dome. It's not a dome, Georgia dome, the Mercedes Benz stadium against Alabama house of horrors, house of horrors. I am scared to death of this game. And I think if you're a Georgia fan, you're acting like you're not, you are sadly mistaken. I, I Maybe I'm just alone in this, but I just can't get the vision. Yes. That monkey got off our back, you know, theoretically with the national championship, uh, two years ago, but I cannot, you know, let go of how I have felt watching us lose to Bama in SEC championships. And this, and, and it's, it's ho- totally informing what I do here. I'm picking Bama. I wouldn't be shocked if they beat us, boys. I just feel like there's something about Saban that you can't count out. Count out. Last time I felt super confident about a game like this, it was the SEC championship versus Alabama. And we lost that game. And it was heartbreaking in in all of the worst ways. I just cannot pick us in this game. I just can't. Like, I understand that if you look at numbers and everything, like, yes, they lean towards Georgia. I just cannot pick us to win this game. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if we lose this thing. Like, it just feels like... It just feels like how it's cooking up. We have yet to have a week where there's really been a ton of chaos in college football. This would be the domino that causes a bunch of chaos. Um, yeah, if we'd win, it's not going to be, it's going to be very, very close. No shot. It's by five and a half. No shot. So I'm thinking Bama and it's not even an emotional hedge. It's just straight up. Um, I think it's PTSD at this point. I just put Georgia in (laughs) because of my, (laughs) because of my, yeah, yeah. Listen, hearing all three of us, it's pathetic how, how we're so down in the dumps right now. Listen, here's 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 something interesting, okay? That I just it just hit me as Madison was talking, re- reliving some of those uh, you know tough games. Listen, I know y'all lived it. I was in the stadium in the national championship game in 2017 and had to see that that second 26. So that was I don't know how you top that one. It's been a house of horrors when we play Alabama um, in Atlanta. A couple things though, I think we're being a little bit. I think we're being a little down on this game and our chances in this game because of our defense. But you see in the in today's modern age, offense can beat good defense. This is the best offense we've had in Kirby Smart's since Kirby Smart's been here. So I think Georgia's going to be able to score. Now maybe Alabama can put up thirty, you know, thirty-five, you know, like it, what it'll take to keep this within the number. But I do feel pretty confident that Georgia is going to win this game after thinking everything over. I think we're just getting sucked into uh, – we're used to seeing Georgia have the best defense in the country and then you know beat Alabama in revenge spot. I, I think this offensive team is, is, is scarier to deal with than Georgia defensively the last two years for an Alabama team. Just kind of thinking it through. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm, 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 for the official pick on this podcast, it's Bama plus five and a half. But I did just lock in Georgia after hearing all our whiny – Sad, depressed things. Is it depressed? I don't know if I'm depressed. I'm happy to be here in this situation, but you know, I'm just scared that this is when it all comes to a screeching halt. That, that was depressing. Well, okay. I'm 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 just happy <laughs> to be here in this situation. That's Georgia pre twenty twenty one. What are we doing? Listen, here? I love that the, the fan bases love to talk about how they're the ones that have the battered syndrome. I, you gotta still throw in, despite back to back national championships, I still have battered bulldog <laughs> syndrome to a T. <laughs> You're gonna have people outside your 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 uh, apartment or house with pitchforks going, "Come out of here! You've won 29 straight in a row. You can't <laughs> listen. I get it. I get it. It sounds ridiculous. I just can't help it. I can't help it. Um. All right. 
Uh, let's talk about the Big Ten Championship. This one on Fox at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The number two Michigan Wolverines, the number 16 Iowa Hawkeyes. Lord of mercy, have there been a lot of memes and a lot of laughter thrown at this championship. Uh, the worst one on the, the card by far. The worst one on the board by far. And that's saying something because the Texas-Oklahoma State game should should be potentially a really bad game. Um, I, of course, fired their offensive coordinator halfway through the season because they had this clause in his contract that said, if you can't average more than 25 points a game, get out. He couldn't do that. So he's out. Um, it was weird seeing Kirk Ferentz, his dad, crying after they beat, um, God, who did they play last week? Nebraska. Um, to, to make it to the Big Ten Championship. He was crying, and I was like, is, is this the last year for him? I don't know. Anyways, Michigan, of course, undefeated on the season. They've been embroiled in scandal both at the beginning of the season and uh, the back half of the season. If they were to win the national championship, their coach would not have been on the sidelines for over half of their re- or half of their regular season games. That's cuckoo bonkers, uh, but they still get it done. So sign-stealing or not, they still get it done. Of course, the third year in a row is it the third year in a row that they've taken down Ohio State and the potential third year in a row to go to a playoff uh, for Michigan. So uh, we talked about it at the recap, put up or shut up, Michigan. I, I don't think anybody's doubting you're going to win this championship game. Put up or shut up, though. Are you going to finally win a playoff game? This seems like the best year to potentially do it. Uh, Iowa in this one, like I said, who they have had just a woeful offensive performances. Now, defensively, they are, you know, hey, they're a little bit more stout than, than we like to give them credit for. But offensively, they just cannot move the ball. So the line on this one is ridiculously high. We're going to be picking it at 22 and a half points for Michigan. The uh, the team total for Iowa in the first, I, I believe it's just half, but maybe it's, I'm sorry, just first quarter, maybe it's the half too, is like half a point. Half a point is what the, the Vegas thinks that they'll score in the first quarter. So that's that's just pathetic. Uh, we'll start with Hank. It is a big line, 22 and a half. Like I said, I don't think anybody's betting that Iowa would win. It would be hilarious if they did. But do you think that Michigan covers that 22 and a half? Yeah. Man, I don't do well with these <clears throat> these types of games in these spots with this number. You know, it's a twenty two and a half in a conference championship game's wild. Um, I mean, really, the only thing I look back and think about when I'm thinking about Iowa, I I don't necessarily love to sit down and watch those games all the time, but I I do remember them getting blanked by Penn State, which is by far the best. Now, granted, I was back probably in the first half of the season, but um. I mean, shoot, that's when they were scoring their points. They've they've stopped scoring points since then. Um, so, I mean, really, I don't have I don't have a ton of, um, you know, I know how I know Iowa's game. I don't I don't watch them a lot, um, so I don't I don't know everything they do um, well, and if they do anything well at this point. But um, there's so many points, but I, I mean, I can see this being a 38, you know, ten game. So. I'm going to take Michigan here. I think they, the thing that kind of worries me is they know, obviously they just have to win this game. It's not like, you know, it may be one of those situations where it's like, all right, we up, we're up by 20 points in the, in the first half. Let's just run it 30 times like they did the other week. So I can see maybe a backdoor cover kind of like a, you know, you know, second half, they, they take out some of their guys if they got it handled. And that kind of worries me with this many points in a conference championship game when you, in the spot that Michigan's in. Um, 
But I mean, shoot, that Blake Corum may be able to. I mean, they have a good defense, but ah, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. It's it's really tough one. I'm gonna take Michigan, but I hate it honestly with that many points. All right, Pierce, what about you? Yeah, I'm gonna go Michigan here too, but it scares me. Michigan, Hank Hank said it best. Michigan just needs to win this game. They don't need to put up style points. Um, they're coming off a very emotional, close, hard fought game. Uh, keep in mind, they did lose. I thought he was a center. Maybe he's right guard, but they're All-American Zach Zenter um, to a bad uh, leg injury. So, you know, they were able to overcome that with, with the crowd noise and, and the momentum they had. You know, that's that's an area that, that is cons- for, is concerning for them moving forward. Maybe not, just in the, maybe not in this game, but something to keep in mind. But coming off those emotional rivalry games, especially the game, um, which I can't stand saying that, but um, could I see Michigan coming out and only scoring like 24 points? Sure. I, I don't think McCarthy is – he's a perfect quarterback for what they have. I don't think he's that elite of a quarterback. I don't think he's – you know, I think when they let him try to be the dude, you, you have a game like TCU where he's capable of throwing two or three picks that cost him the game. Um, and I think that's where this game – if I, if I was going to have any chance of scoring, I think that's kind of what it's going to have to be. I, I don't see them scoring other than like a, a pick six or a, a fluky fumble, sack fumble recovery that they are able to get into the end zone. I just don't know if they can score. Maybe they sneak one in on the ground. You know, um, Ohio State was able to uh, somewhat run the ball on them. So maybe Iowa, Iowa can find some success on the ground. Um, but I, I don't see Mich- or Iowa being able to score even at 10 points. And, and, and so if that's the case – you know, you're telling me that Michigan just has to get to, to you know, 35. I'll, I'll take Michigan here. It feels like a, I feel like another sucker. I've had a sucker bet or play for four straight games. It feels like we'll see how I go with it. You're wrong though on something, Pierce. They they might not need style points, but they damn sure want style points. They have this it's us versus the world mentality. Us Michigan versus everyone. You know, the whole world's out to get us. Uh, Jim Harbaugh will be back on the sidelines, I believe, for this game. So I think that they go scorched earth on this one. I think that they absolutely crush Iowa. Sorry, thanks for coming out, Iowa. It's the last time you'll probably ever be in the Big Ten Championship. Thanks for participating. Next year when there's no divisions, there's no shot you get in. So uh, I think Michigan plays for all the marbles here. I think they get it done um, very easily, and I think they, they cover this easily as well. All right, last but not least, boys, it is the ACC championship. It is the game that might be the closest. It is the game that even though nobody wants to say it, is they're rooting for the underdog. Uh, it's at 8 o'clock Eastern time on ABC. The number 14 Louisville Cardinals and the number 4 Florida State Seminoles. Florida State favored in this one by two and a half points. Louisville just came off a loss last week versus Kentucky. This game probably would have a lot more juice. Not probably, would have a lot more juice. If they were to have taken business or uh, taken care of business versus Kentucky, um, they also had a loss earlier on the season to Pitt after they beat Notre Dame. So that also was, or was it Notre Dame? Yeah, it was Notre Dame. It was also a situation where, you know, hey, wah, wah, leave it to Louisville to screw something up. We had a good thing going, Cardinals. Florida State undefeated on the season after taking down LSU to start the season. They rolled through the ACC and then most recently took down their SEC arch rival, the Florida Gators, in the swamp. No Jordan Travis in this one. We are with uh, Tate Rodemaker. Rodemaker um, is the new quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles. He had a rough start last week, but in the sh- swamp uh, versus, uh, like I said, a rival game right there. 
uh, with a potential to get to, I mean, I told, I think I said this on the recap show, but I had somebody in one of my spin classes come up to me and said, listen, we might not have been very good this year, but it would make our whole season to beat FSU and end their playoff hopes. So that was kind of the mindset that Florida had going into it for what it is worth. Two and a half points is what this is set at. Hank, it's almost a pick them at that level. Who do you think gets this win? And uh, do you think FSU covers that if you do think they get the win? I'm going to go Florida stay here. Um, I, you know, I don't, do I think they're a, a top four team? Like I was kind of saying earlier without uh, Jordan Travis. No, I don't be honest, but I mean, it was a sloppy game against a, a Florida team. That's obviously had, had some rough, <laughs> a rough year, but you know, it's still Florida in the swamp. They, I mean, they took down Tennessee in the swamp. It's still, you know, it still has that, factor and it in, in, baked into it um last week so it was sloppy and they still found a way to get it done by whatever the what was it 24 15 um so you know if they can just kind of if maybe take can kind of get in a better rhythm this week and um you know a little more fired up a little kind of have a, a little better blueprint of you know some weaknesses that louisville was exposed with during that Kentucky game last week. So, um, you know, Norvell maybe has some, uh, has some more insight as to how, how they're going to game plan there against this team. Um, so I, I I'm a little nervous cause you never know with a, with a kind of unknown quarterback like Tate, whether he's going to come out and actually, you know, play, play good or, or throw a dud out there. It's just not much. Um, I don't have much knowledge on him, but if he can, if he can kind of clean up some things, I mean, he didn't throw any picks. I don't think he fumbled the ball last week. So if he can kind of stick with that and just, you know, make a couple big plays, just throw it up to Keon Coleman. And, and, um, I think that they can get this done. I can see, I, I see this being a, maybe another kind of sloppy ish game, but, um, I see this being a, a 24 20 game. So I'm going to take Florida. All right. State. Hank is going to roll with Florida state. What about you Pierce? I thought you were going to lead something up like, well, we all know who Pierce is going with here. Um, I I actually think this is a very fascinating game. Um, Obviously, if um, Jordan Travis is the quarterback, I I think they probably win. I think the spread's closer to, you know, 10 points in this one. A couple things at play here. Louisville coming off a loss, probably the worst thing that could have happened to FSU. Um, a, they would have loved to have beaten a team that was a little bit higher ranked um, than they are now. Um, and, and also, you're now getting a very pissed off Louisville team, um, which is still has a chance to win a conference championship, so they have all the motivation in the world. It's not just a normal regular season game. A um, couple things that uh, I'm looking at in this one, FSU is obviously going to want to run the ball. Um, I thought Rodmaker was, was, you know, I thought in the second half he did a good job um, against Florida. Listen, on the road, first start on the road, uh, uh, you know, is on the road on the swamp. That's a really tall, t- tall task. I, I, I don't know if y'all realize I'm the biggest, uh, I'm the biggest fan of the Georgia Florida game being in Jacksonville. Um, a, because I think it's a cool spectacle, but also because I don't want to have to go to the swamp every other year. That's just, that's a really, really tough place to play. I mean, outside of, outside of LSU, that's probably the toughest place to play in the uh, SEC. I'd, I'd probably put it right there with Auburn. Auburn's obviously very challenging as well, as you guys know. Um, 
They're going to want to run the ball with Trey Benson. Uh, listen, he's my favorite running back in college football. Would kill to have that guy on my team. Just love how he runs football. Um, you know, interesting enough, Louisville, their strength on defense is stopping the run. They only allowed 96.8 yards on the ground. That's good for top 20 in the country. I, I don't know if that – I certainly think Trey Benson will get his. Listen, he's one of those guys that, um, you know, if you load the box and he goes for two, two, one, four, one, five, one, four. He can bust one. He can bust one at any time. So um, Louisville needs to be gaps down there and uh, and and make sure that they are tackling uh, very well against Trey Benson because, like I said, I, I think he's he's my favorite back to watch in in, in all college football. Um, on the flip side, though, FSU's strength on defense seems to be their pass defense, um, and and mainly that's probably more so because their D line is is studly. They are very good, um, especially getting after the quarterback. Um, but they are a little bit more susceptible against the run, uh, allowing 140 yards per game. Um, and, and that is exactly where Louisville's strong suit is. They want to run Jawar Jordan all day long. They average 183.5 yards per game on the ground. I think one of the areas, and, and I am taking Louisville plus 2.5 just because it seems like a situational spot. It's not an emotional thing, as I'm sure Madison, she's rolling her eyes right now. It's not an emotional thing for me. I, I really, if FSU wins, I'll give them props, and I, and I would like that. I, I no ill will towards FSU. It's a spot play for me with Louisville, um, and I think some things line up. However, FSU gets after the quarterback now, and, and that is what scares me because while Louisville, this might be the best quarterback outside of Jaden Daniels that, that FSU has played all year. I mean, yeah, Riley Leonard I think is better than – he's better than Plummer, but he was hurt at that time and, and was kind of limited. So I'm not sure that, uh, you know, he was – he's – Maybe with his ankle injury, maybe they're pretty similar. Um, Plummer's not an elite quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. He's really not even that great. Um, but if FSU can cause problems rushing the passer, they do have three. They get three point one seven sacks per game. That's top seven in the country. Louisville is eh, average at stopping sacks. They allow one point eight three uh, sacks per game. That's top fifty five in the country. So FSU needs to get after the quarterback, and if they can get after the quarterback, if they can somehow slow Jawar Jordan down enough to force Plummer into third downs where it's pure passing plays, where they can just pin their ears back and come after Plummer, not only can they get a, a, a good number of sacks, they can also force Plummer, who's just a dude, he's, he's just a jag, just another guy, into making turnovers and, and forcing throws. And if that's the case, I think that is going to be the best chance for FSU to come out of this one with the victory. I think there'll be some success in that. If Plummer does that, FSU is going to come out on top here. If, if, if FSU can't stop the run, Louisville is going to have success and, and be, have every chance to win this game um, at the end. So very, it's going to be very fascinating to watch this game um, from those aspects. You know, I can't wait to watch the D line for FSU get after it. And uh, and can't wait to see if Plummer and uh, the running back Jawar Jordan can can have some success and not cause you know not 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 turn the ball over enough to give FSU a, a huge advantage. So, gonna be a fun one to watch. I mean, this could be a nice nightcap that that, that surprises people, um, despite uh, Jordan Travis being out. Um, I'm I'm torn with this one. I'm gonna be rooting for Florida State because I just can't root against them. But I agree with you, Pierce. Having to play a pissed off Louisville coming off a loss does not give me a lot of hope. It was an emotional win in the swamp last week. I think that that could potentially hinder them as well. Uh, sorry, Florida that could hinder Florida State. I think Louisville wins this game. 
I think Louisville wins this game. I think it makes it really clean for the committee as far as you don't have to keep, you know, have Florida State in the conversation. Um, I think this season, if that does happen, I think this season was a really good season for Florida State and and proves that they can be back. You know, you got to go replace Jordan Travis as a talent. Um, but, you know, hey, you won the state of Florida, um, not by a landslide pretty much because look at the other two teams. Um if they win, I'm going to follow them to the playoff and, you know, they're probably going to lose. And, and that's just, it sucks that that's how the cookie crumbled after such a good season. I, I would have loved to have seen them healthy with Jordan Travis because after they played LSU, they really haven't had to do a whole ton of a lot. They went to Clemson, they won. That was a good win. But other than that, it's been kind of ho-hum for them. You know, they, they've gone to sleep a few times. We've seen that, um, you know, offensively. So I hope Florida State wins. I just, I, I, think I see a world and when I really put it down heart of hearts I think they lose and selfishly I wouldn't mind them losing and I know this is going to be shocking and hypocritical and everything I wouldn't mind them losing so that we don't have to do this whole oh but we're leaving them out and blah all this this rigmarole because that'll just piss me off so again hoping they win thinking they'll lose and maybe that's for the good of just my sanity at this point um, all right, that's going to do it here for these conference preview championship previews. I said we weren't going to go an hour and a half, and we went an hour and 15 minutes. So uh, bigger preview for you. We got into a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, enjoy it. We're in bowl season before you know it. Uh, these are the last few games that, that uh, you know, matter for a while. Then you'll get some bunch of random bowl games, and then, of course, we'll be with you. We like to do it uh, more bite-sized chunks during the bowl season, so you'll get those more, you know, two, three, four games at a time. Um and you won't have to deal necessarily with us talking for like eight hours on hand about all of the bowl games. So make sure you're subscribed here so you don't miss any of it. Follow us on social media at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And we will see you next week when we recap what happened this week, break down the playoff, and start looking ahead to bowl season. Until then, I'm Madison. I'm Hank. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.